0: welcome back to another edition of the disney dish podcast with jim hill it's me len testa and this is one of our first shows for may of 2018 we are into the mayflowers part of the calendar let's bring in the man who knows both gaiety and laughter himself one well, mr jim hill jim how's it going
1: you understand we're talking mayflower pilgrims we're grim people we have buckles in our hats what are you but?
0: no no gaiety Ooh. I was going to celebrate May Day with a hearty, good day May Day comrade, but uh, I figured that's probably not the right thing to do. All right, James. So real quick, before we talk about our topic today, which is a continuation of our Unbuilt Disney series, we haven't done that in a while, let's talk a little bit about some recent park news. The news is that in addition to Disney's Hollywood Studios getting extra magic hours around the opening of Toy Story Land this coming summer, the Animal Kingdom has got... New extra magic hour mornings announced for pretty much every day in May and June of this year. Jim, what's driving that? For all of the work
1: that they have done to extend the operating hours of Animal Kingdom, you know, if you think about Rivers of Light and the wonderful nighttime lighting package of the Pandora, and you know, never mind about you know the the projection show and the tree. The mm-hmm. hard reality is this is also an animal driven park and frankly you know as anyone who tell you who's been on the last transport of the day going through the Kilimanjari safari get the animals on the savannah... Make postal workers look like pikers. It's five o'clock and they are headed back for the barn. I mean, unless you are a big fan of mammal behinds, this is not the tour to take. They have to go with the magic mornings because, frankly, that's when the animals are out. If you're going there in the evening Mm -hmm. to see things, yes, you have Pandora. You have Rivers of Light. You have the projection show.
0: And you have the evening Kilimanjaro safaris as well, right? But it's different sets of animals, I guess. It's the second shift, guys.
1: Yeah, and even in that situation, though, you know, for example, they actually do a shorter route across the actual savannah just because they couldn't do lighting rigs for absolutely
0: everything. I was going to start a rumor that it was because of the elephant ambush one night, but. Go and do your thing. that's fine. Well, you know, it's
1: so funny you say that because... <laughs> wait,
0: wait, uh, is, there, is there an actual elephant ambush story?
1: <laughs> well, no, there, there was. I mean, remember when Animal Kingdom was in, you know, again, we just celebrated the 25th anniversary. You have to remember that during the six weeks that the park was in soft opening people who went on the Kilimanjaro Safari remember the big red little red story and oh no the big red's mom has been you know I mean little red's right right for a good portion of that six-week period there was a giant plastic dead mother elephant by the side of the track And, and in fact just yesterday friends sent me images of the big
0: plastic dead big red Oh, so wait. So on the anniversary of the Animal Kingdom Park opening, someone sent you a picture of a dead elephant.
1: Well, not only that, you've,
0: you've oh, got some special friends, Jim. I do, I some. do. But it, it, it gets so much worse than that, Len. There is first
1: the shot. It was this backward montage. They started with the shot of the plastic dead elephant as it was seen on the attraction, with the greens department having planted. Because again, it did fell over. You know, the, the poachers got it. It fell over by the side of the tracks. So there's trees, there's bushes, there's grass, and then the very next shot is of it's now backstage being painted and man they went nuts i mean the, just the detail on the pad of the elephant's foot to sell you that this is a real elephant look at the wear and tear on its foot they then jumped to the molding phase so now you're back in glendale working on the elephant and the last shot was them trying to decide is it too grisly to take the
0: tusks off.
1: Because again, uh, it's about yeah, cultures. Yeah,
0: yeah. That might be one step towards realism too far.
1: But yeah, for the 25th anniversary, hey, you've always wanted to see the dead elephant. And then to top that, they then sent me imagery of all of the knights that used to be impaled on their lances outside of the dragon's cave. Do you remember this part of the Discovery boat ride where you'd go by the cave? I do. And-
0: I do remember it. By the way, did you see the photo that Joe uh, Brody tweeted out over the weekend? It was him looking wistfully on the bridge to Pandora about, like, this is the last remaining piece of Beastly Kingdom, and it was where the dragon oh, breathed fire at. Well, yeah, that's all right. I mean, he got he got his imaginary animals. He's fine.
1: Yep, that's true. But, yeah, that's how I celebrated the 25th anniversary, looking at plastic dead elephants. You know, don't tell me I don't know how to party, will end. <laughs> yeah,
0: so you slowed down there, Jim. The thing that I thought about these extra magic hours for the Animal Kingdom was this. One it's a way to take pressure off of flight of passage as the summer crowds start to build again because we all know that those lines can get 4 5 6 hours long and i think disney does not want a repeat of what happened in the fall or over christmas with that again the other thing is it's a perk for disney resort guests and that's always good but your third point about you know the animals is also sort of true for people. Mm -hmm. Disney World gets hot in the summer. We talked about this on a show last year where if you look at the heat index Mm -hmm. for the Magic Kingdom, it could feel like it's above 120 degrees. By opening the park at 7 or 8 AM, you allow guests to get in and experience those rides during the coolest part of the day. So not only does it benefit the animals, but it benefits the, uh, the guests as well. The other thing, Jim, I'm a little leery about is The capacity of those rides in Toy Story Land at at 1,500 people an hour, Hmm. you may need to pull some people away from Disney's Hollywood Studios into other parks because I'm a little concerned about that.
1: No, I think you've managed the trifecta quite well there. I mean, Pandora has not seen the traditional sort of... It's it's always a slow erosion, but it's definitely an erosion as a new attraction stops being the new attraction. Right. But it's held its numbers quite well. But yes, in a situation like that where you're opening relatively low-capacity new land... Mm was watching American Idol last
0: night. And oh, you you were the one watching American Idol because I've heard the ratings aren't that good. There we go. They, they <laughs> sent they, they home gonna... the
1: person from New Hampshire, so I'm <laughs> okay. voting for
0: nobody. All right, you know.
1: But yeah, I can't tell you the number of times they ran the Toy Story Land ad. They are seriously thumping Ooh. the tub.
0: But that's dangerous, though, because, again, what we've heard is that the two rides combined are going to have an hourly capacity around 1,500 people an hour. That is basically what Seven Dwarfs Mine Train is, mm. plus or minus 5%. The concern there is that because there's so little to do for kids, small children in the park, that the number of families going immediately to Toy Story Land is just going to overwhelm those two new rides. Plus, they're both fast pass attractions, so mm. I can't imagine what the standby lines are going to look like there.
1: One quick question, though. Are, are mm-hmm. we factoring into... The capacity of Toy Story Remember, you know that that one of the things that comes back online, yeah. When this happens, is the three-track version of, of Toy Story yeah. Mania. So that's
0: that's sixteen hundred people an hour. We're gonna get a little bit back there, but two new rides. One of them a roller coaster with a combined capacity of fifteen hundred an hour and Fast Pass. Mm, okay. I mean the standby lines there. If the standby lines aren't two hours long, I'll be shocked. Okay. For both of those. I think Disney's going to do you know, what they can to pull people in other directions. They're also going to make sure that if you wanted to get to the Animal Kingdom and see Pandora without a huge, huge weight in the baking, blistering sun, you'll be <laughs> able to do that in the morning. And that's good. Plus, again, it's a benefit for Disney Resort guests, so I totally see the rush now there. I was a little surprised that it was basically two months of extra magic hours but but that's good you create the safety valves where you can create the safety valves. so it's true i wouldn't uh, also be surprised if they did uh, extra magic hours at the water parks again again just to pull more people there during the sun oh that's an excellent
1: idea hoping they go for that
0: all right jim i wanted to talk a little bit about some new unbuilt disney material that we found let's do a quick break we'll come back and talk about that how's that sound cool we're back. All right, Jim, I think this was a reader email to us, but somebody tipped us off that there's an auction coming up on May 5th that includes some Disney memorabilia. In fact, it's all Disney memorabilia. I think the listener who sent us the email was joking about the Ellen DeGeneres head in costume for (laughs) Universe of Energy that's being auctioned off because apparently Ellen DeGeneres and Neil Patrick Harris are apparently going to be in a bidding war for the likeness of Ellen from the Universe of Energy Ride. I can't wait to see how that goes. But there are many hundreds of things actually going up in this all-Disney auction. And the ones that caught my attention were a set of conceptual drawings for things that were never built in Epcot. Did you see these? Yeah. I want to say these are done by Harper Goff during a... Right. Yeah. It's his style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there are a few of them. And what I thought we'd do is we could go through about half a dozen of these right now. There's plenty more for other shows. Mm -hmm. But just to talk about what we're seeing in these drawings and what got built and what didn't get built. Let's go through that. How's that sound? Okay. All right, so the first one is uh, that I've named Concept One. It's on a bridge, and you're looking at the World Showcase part of Epcot. On our left is clearly the France Pavilion, right? You can see from the tops of the buildings that that's sort of Belle Epoque. Paris, right? Mm-hmm. And in the center it looks to me like, Jim, the Odyssey restaurant. Is that a fair characterization of what you see? Yeah. Sort of the, the sort of like octagonal pagoda structure. No, no, no. Right I, I definitely see what you're talking about there. I could buy into that, but of
1: course... The, 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 yeah, the, but, but the thing in the middle. Yeah, well... <laughs> the, the windmill in the middle. <laughs> well, you know, that's the, the the interesting thing is that for the longest time, the Imagineers, God love them, they recognized that When they switched from the Walt Disney's World Showcase concept, the one that Mm -hmm. was going to be built over by the Ticket Transportation Center and basically had that conceit of sort of international mall where everybody had the same footprint for the entrance, the only difference would be what you paid for square footage inside of your space Mm -hmm. but when they switched over to the notion of okay we're not doing this as a mall we're doing this outside we're doing this with individual countries with memorable building again you know how many times have we talked about looking at the australian pavilion and having the miniature version of the sydney opera house down by the water but they recognized as they were doing this it's like There's really not a whole lot here for kids. It's pretty, and there's restaurants, and lovely places to stroll and shop, but it's it's kids. And so what you're looking back there with the windmill is Disney's version of Tivoli Gardens, that they were going to do a teeny tiny. So the windmill is actually part of that concept. The irony is the Tivoli Gardens also, just like Epcot, did these little thumbprint versions of icons around the world, but this is actually a kid-friendly space back there with the notion that his mom and dad are walking around World Showcase Lagoon. Mm -hmm. They're buried to the back is going to be... In fact, I think if you go through some of the imagery here, there's a hedge maze, there's a
0: Yeah, don't don't spoil it, Jim. Let's talk about this one particular image. Okay, cool. So Tivoli Gardens, that's what that is, but there. It does look vaguely Dutch. I mean, yeah. I don't see wooden shoes because well, of the no, resolution actually, of the
1: If you look to the left and the right, of the windmill itself. You suddenly see the outermost building, sort of the entrance to this miniature. I mean, again, remember Chivoli Gardens is an amusement park actually in Denmark. Right. But the notion is that, again, it has that same sort of fairy tale conceit. And as you can see, you've got four different towers there, each of them
0: that sort of seem to represent different parts of the world, plus the windmill. Got it. Okay, so that's what that was, that never got built. Mm-hmm. How about the thing, though, that's immediately in front of the windmill? It's a friendship boat. But what do you notice about the friendship boat there, Jim? Well, isn't it going into a canal? It's a series of locks. Yeah. So oh. it's a canal, but it's a two-level mm-hmm. canal. Because the what we're looking at here is a bridge with two arches. And the rightmost arch is a waterfall. You can see how the water... Is coming down through the arch and then Mm -hmm. immediately drops down what looks like three or four feet Mm -hmm. actually it looks more than that looks like the height of the uh, boat itself and on the left side where the friendship boat is there's a door so that's a lock system Mm -hmm. where Mm -hmm. the boat would enter into a small like shoebox shaped container and then water would fill into the shoebox container lifting up the boat or lowering the boat to get it to the next level and i think that makes sense for the netherlands too right so this is like you to go into the netherlands which has a lot of canals and locks you would do that that never got built but that's super interesting no i agree i mean this is what i love about
1: harper's work is that as a guy who designed disney parks forever Mm -hmm. i mean you know harper was all the way back to the jungle cruise for god's sake but disneyland he had done his homework but of course the irony is that if you understand the Friendship Boat system, that literally is, it surfaces World Showcase Lagoon, and that for a number of the attractions that were done or designed for this period, for Full World Showcase in the 77, 78, 79 window, Mm -hmm. you had a number of water rides. You had a Venice Canal Boat ride. You had a Rhine River ride. In fact, I want to say as part of some of the stuff that Harper did that we're going to be looking at shortly, isn't there a Thames River ride as well?
0: Ah, uh, it's gonna be on, a, on another show, Jim. You're foreshadowing here. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rosebud me, was his sled. Okay. You know, <laughs> let's, he's let's a man, one baby.
1: You know anything else I can blow here?
0: <laughs> let's talk about one more thing on the on the right side of this um, mm-hmm. image, and then we'll go into the next one. Mm-hmm. The right side isn't France, and it's not the Odyssey Restaurant. What does that look like to you? Hmm. That there's that distinctive angular shaped restaurant there. It's not the octagonal shape of the Odyssey. No. To me, it looks like the back of the Mexico pavilion. Because if you look at the arches and the doorways immediately to the right of that, that is not English. No, I agree. It has a vaguely Mexican feel to it.
1: Yeah. What always makes me crazy about drawings like this, they immediately make me want to go dig through old annual ports or that sort of thing to see where this stuff fits in because, again, there were 13, 14 different iterations of how World oh, Showcase yeah. was supposed to be put together. And But I love this. I mean, it just it looks so lush and more to the point. What's so funny about this design is that it actually, if we jump ahead to talking about when they were trying to build Westcott, mm-hmm. this is what Westcott was supposed to be like with the buildings so close together that you could see how the architecture of France influenced Holland, which influenced Denmark. Right. You got this feeling of flow, and but at the same time, you saw individual buildings for what they were, but when you grouped them like this, you saw, wow, there was a commonality to some of the design of this regional world. It's a beautiful, beautiful piece.
0: Let's move on to the next one. Cause I think this is interesting for a number of reasons. It's the concept for the original layout of Germany. And here <laughs> it was called the black forest. There are a couple of interesting things about this. One is it's a circular pavilion, mm-hmm. the outside of which is facades of German architecture. So you've got two story houses and then topped with turrets. And in the very back is a stage on which you can see people dancing. So in some ways, it's basically the layout of the Germany Pavilion as it is now. But the thing that stands out for me here is that it's all outdoors. Like the facades are only a few feet thick. Basically, they're doorways that you go in. And once you're in, you're inside a open-air circular plaza. And there are tables all around the outside of that and a long bar on the right side where I guess you would go get food. There's a dance floor like there is now in the German pavilion and then a stage up front. And then you've got, you know, the stage itself looks like a giant cuckoo clock from Germany, but this is all outdoors. There's nothing inside, there's no indoor shopping. There's nothing like that here. That is the most striking difference I think for me. No, oh, I agree.
1: It has that wonderful, really for real, oktoberfest fielding you've got those giant trees that are set up within you know never mind the water wheel up in the right hand corner and but as charming as this is and it looks like a wonderful environment it would have been a wonderful addition to world showcase you and i both know the hard reality of orlando it's like oh here comes the three o'clock rain shower and if you aren't providing sufficient cover i mean i think in the end This is why they took this idea and just brought it indoors for the Oktoberfest. But no, it's a wonderful
0: facility. I think if we change the bar out to buffet, Mm -hmm. we add some shopping and we put it all indoors, you've got the concept of the Germany Pavilion as we see it. But this is a fairly detailed representation of what the basic things that they were going for. We have the stage. We have the dance floor. We've got food. Yeah, it's like version one of of the Germany Pavilion. No,
1: I absolutely agree. But again, the other heartbreaker of of when you see something like this, when you see an early iteration of design. I mean, for example, what's intriguing about this, and you know where this is in the design food chain, because Mm -hmm. it's like, okay, so where's the Rhine River ride? (laughs) It's not here. All right. This was just strictly going to be the Black Forest Restaurant Entertainment Complex. Yeah. But again, that was this version, this vision for Epcot. More about World Showcase being entertainment venue.
0: And you can see the, in the next slide that there is a significant indoor component in Germany. So the next slide is a layout of where the major pavilions are in all of Epcot. But it focuses primarily on... World Showcase, and sort of the south side of, of Future World. So from World of Motion and Journey into Imagination up. And there are a couple of interesting things to note here. One, Jim, if we're going counterclockwise, there is no Canada Pavilion nope. in this layout. It starts with the UK Pavilion. Mm-hmm. And the UK Pavilion, the area dedicated to the UK Pavilion is massive
1: there. Mm-hmm. Well, remember that at one point we did have the Crystal Palace
0: that was going to be built there, along with a musical. Yeah, we have some excellent concept drawings for that that we'll talk about on a future show. But after that is France, Morocco, Japan, and the United States. Pretty much as they are laid out now, although there is some, I think, more expansion pad room between Japan and Morocco than there is currently. The other interesting thing to note is the USA Pavilion is not nearly as large as it is in real life. Mm -hmm. But they've also got the stage there. They've got the American Garden Theater even in this iteration of the concept.
1: Well, for me, it's not that stage or it's not that
0: seating area that that catches my eye, but dead center. (laughs) Right. In the middle of World Showcase Lagoon is an island with bridge access from Future World, and it's called Pleasure Island, and it has an actual stage on it. The stage is set up so that it's facing Future World and... Right now where in Future World you have that area between the two sort of world showcase shops, you've got a seating terrace. I guess like Rivers of Light has seating terraces. And mm-hmm. It looks fairly large. I mean it's the seating terrace itself is about the size of the Mexico pavilion. Oh yeah. In terms of in terms of size there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess you're facing the stage for some sort of nighttime extravaganza?
1: Well, again, you face it, how early on were the Luminaria, the Festival of Light Show, mm-hmm. in fact, that was there for opening night party. But the whole notion of you've got to give people an excuse, a reason to be going to World Showcase, especially at night. And so I'd be fascinated to do do we have a date on this document anywhere? No, it's just this rough
0: drawing. It, I mean, it's had to be very late 70s mm-hmm. because, again, the structure of the and the layout of the pavilions is fairly well fixed. Mm-hmm. When did uh, when did Canada get added? Do you know? I was under the impression that Canada and Mexico were the very
1: first countries to sign for World Showcase. So Canada's not here, but Mexico is. Yeah, so I just find this fascinating. In fact, given that Morocco is listed, right. Morocco wasn't ready for opening day. In fact, they were building that as people arrived at the park. So... For me, it's just kind of, I wonder when this Pleasure Island thing was
0: proposed. You notice too, there's no Odyssey restaurant between World of Motion and Mexico. True, but at the same time, if you look, it's got the walkways, so... Yeah, and it's actually got a... If you look at the thing that sort of looks like a dog profile Mm -hmm. above World of Motion, that is a really specific shape with very specific cutouts. That may be the area that they used for the Odyssey restaurant there because if you notice the body of water that's immediately to its oh, totally. to its right that's much more curvy and less detailed. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and you can definitely see the walkway from the middle of Future World to the Odyssey. So yes, yeah, so maybe it is there. Yeah, but no Canada? No yeah. Norway obviously because that came yep. in later. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing about Africa, nothing about Russia. No. Let's see if we can uh, we can try and date this. Okay. I will make a few calls. All right. Let's save the rest for uh, for another show and we'll uh, we'll talk about it uh up soon. How's that? Okay. That works. All right, folks, you've been listening to the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams. Please go on to iTunes or Stitcher or raise your paddle for this auction. And on that paddle, write some comments and and what you'd like to hear next on our show. For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.